Articles by Desiring God How to Spot a Wolf Three Signs of False Teachers Written and read by John Bloom When a wolf looks at sheep, what does he see? He sees food. His motivation for getting close to the sheep is not to care for their needs or to protect them from danger. It's to feed on them. But in order to get close to sheep, a wolf employs deceptive tactics to keep the sheep from discerning his dangerous presence before he can achieve his aims. That's why Paul called false teachers in the church fierce wolves who don't spare the flock, a metaphor he likely adapted from Jesus, who described false prophets as leaders who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Matthew 7, 15. What makes these leaders false is not merely that they teach false doctrines, but that they have false aims. Their aim is not love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith, but something else. It's an aim they hide from the sheep, an aim that causes them to view the sheep as a means of satisfying some ungodly appetite. Jesus, switching to a tree metaphor, said, you will recognize them by their fruits, Matthew 7, 16. And Paul labored to help sheep spot the fruits of disguised wolves infiltrating the flock. Let's look at three of these fruits as described by Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3, where Paul offers a description of the opponents that Timothy can expect to meet in his ministry. Pious Disguise the first characteristic of a wolfish leader, Paul describes, is someone who has the appearance of godliness but denies its power. It's worth looking at his full description. Understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. 2 Timothy 3 verses 1-5 through we can summarize such leaders this way. Their wolfish aim, self-indulgence. Their sheep-like clothing, the appearance of godliness. Their recognizable fruit, a lack of personal holiness. Now, just by reading Paul's list of these leaders' selfish pursuits, you'd think they'd be easy to spot, but frequently they're not. Because wolves can be very good at concealing their motives from sheep. They move into positions of leadership because their guise of godliness is convincing at first. But then their influence begins to cause a decline in the spiritual health of a church. One such leader I worked with a few decades ago was in a pastoral position for years before he was discovered. I remember feeling a growing intuitive uneasiness around him before I saw any clear evidence. It was hard to put a finger on what was wrong but something seemed off. 
and not only to me. There was a deficit of spiritual authenticity. His teaching and example seemed to lack power. Then the disguise began to slip, and other discerning leaders pressed until his secret, selfish, immoral pursuits were exposed. Now, I'm not suggesting that our every uneasy intuition is accurate. Fruit becomes apparent over time, so we need to watch for patterns. Watch for a permissive application of grace and an orientation toward worldliness and self-indulgence. Watch the way a leader handles money. Watch for subtle signs of laxness regarding sexual ethics. Note other spiritually discerning people's uneasiness regarding the leader. Watch for the leader's defensiveness, condescension, and a lack of transparency when they're challenged. And if a culture of manipulation and fear develops around a Christian leader, that's cause for concern, since a wolf tends to appear godly but love badly. Opposing Truth Another characteristic of a wolfish leader is someone who opposes the truth. This is what we expect from a wolf since they're false teachers. And again, we might assume they'd be easy to spot right away, but often they're not. Their influence, at least at first, is usually more insidious and ambiguous than we expect. Paul describes them like this. Among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. 2 Timothy 3, verses 6-9 through One way to summarize such leaders is this. Their wolfish aim? Self-promotion or selfish ambition, their sheep-like clothing, an image of spiritual power and or theological erudition, their recognizable fruit, manipulation of susceptible people, impressive appearance of spiritual power accompanied by advocacy of doctrines that undermine the gospel and opposition to godly leaders. But Paul isn't necessarily describing wolfish leaders' strategic progression in these verses. It's often the case that such leaders are sneaky to begin with and only later become more openly oppositional when they've consolidated a critical mass of influence. Creepy Leaders False teachers tend to creep in. When Paul says they capture weak women, we might be tempted to interpret this through a Me Too grid, but Paul's not referring to their preying on women sexually, though some no doubt did. He means these wolves single out those who, for various reasons, are particularly susceptible to deception and convince them that they can be part of something new God is doing, something more powerful and spiritually important than whatever the church's faithful, humble, godly leaders are teaching. What makes these false teachers compelling is that they're able to demonstrate an appearance of whatever spiritual power impresses the Christian community they've crept into. In a continuationist context, they may appear to possess impressive gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
while in a cessationist context, they may appear to possess impressive theological and spiritual knowledge. These gifts, or knowledge, can confuse even godly leaders at first, since sheep-like clothing can appear legitimate even if something seems off. Showing their teeth. But eventually, wolves begin to show their teeth. That's why Paul says such leaders in the church are like Janus and Jambres, the names Hebrew tradition gave to the Egyptian sorcerers who wielded impressive magical power in their opposition to Moses. See Exodus chapter 7. Paul calls them corrupt because their wrong teaching isn't coming from a mere and sincere misunderstanding of the scriptures, but from an intent to use the scriptures to advance or protect their personal image of power and importance. When true gospel doctrine, either publicly taught or personally applied, threatens or thwarts the social and usually financial capital they covet, they aggressively and ruthlessly oppose the truth. And that's when their folly becomes plain. So watch for a pattern of pursuing church leadership positions that seems unhealthy. Watch for a charming, charismatic personality that, in the past, has left a disproportionate number of disillusioned and wounded people in its wake. Watch for claims to and apparent demonstrations of the kind of spiritual power valued in the church, but which encourage a troubling dependency on and loyalty to that leader. Watch for a group forming around the leader, noticeably comprised of susceptible, spiritually weak members, that begins to manifest distrust in godly church leaders. And watch for a pattern of conflicts with godly leaders and a resistance to submit to leaders in general. Adversity Avoidance A third characteristic of a wolfish leader is someone who avoids persecutions and sufferings for the sake of Christ and his gospel. This characteristic is implicit when Paul writes to Timothy, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 through 13. Here's how I would summarize such leaders. Their wolfish aim, self-preservation. Their sheep-like clothing, confident assertions, 1 Timothy 1.7. And controlling leadership that gives the appearance of courage. Their recognizable fruit, avoidance of personal sacrifice and public persecution for the sake of preserving their own reputation, status, wealth, and comfort. A wolf-like leader might project a very confident image. He might rationalize domineering and manipulative behaviors as characteristics of a strong leader. And he might point to numerous strenuous performances that he asserts are sacrifices. But his confidence, his leadership, and his sacrifices, when examined carefully and honestly, tend to benefit him more than those he serves. That's why here, as elsewhere, Paul refers to his persecutions and sufferings as a fruit of a true Christ-like leader. Paul isn't pointing out his personal greatness when he speaks of enduring 
far greater labors, far more imprisonments than false teachers, with countless beatings and often near death. 2 Corinthians 11.23 He's contrasting the fruits. In the United States in particular, Christians suffer few of the kinds of persecutions and sufferings that Paul and the Christians of his day endured. So a wolf-like leader can meld in much easier. But still, true Christ-like leaders bear fruits that evidence a willingness to sacrifice reputation, status, wealth, and comfort for Christ and his people that stands in contrast to the self-promoting and self-enriching, self-indulgent aims of wolf-like leaders. Pay careful attention. You'll see them. Pay careful attention. That's exactly why Paul said to the Ephesian elders in his parting words to them before heading to certain imprisonment and probable death for the sake of Jesus, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Acts 20, verses 28 through 30. Careful attention would have to be paid because those fierce wolves would be wearing sheep-like clothing. Their emergence would be subtle. They would even infiltrate the team of elders. Just remember Judas among the disciples. They'd have an appearance of godliness, seem to possess spiritual power, and exude an image of confidence and courage. Many of the sheep would find themselves swayed. The elders would need to remind themselves and their flock of what Jesus said. You will recognize them by their fruits. And if they paid careful attention, the fruits would point to this. A wolf-like leader preying on the sheep to satisfy his own ungodly appetites. For more resources, visit DesiringGod.org.